In our current COVID-19, never a dull moment world of work, one thing we can celebrate going away is the statement, we've always done it this way. From day one of this pandemic, leaders who's focused on themselves and their teams on what can we do now have been leading the way towards a positive recovery. Those who did any type of scenario planning were positioned to pivot almost without disruption into ideal circumstances that enabled them to keep people employed and remain profitable. Scenario planning. That's what we're talking about in today's podcast. Welcome to the latest episode of the Leadership Journey podcast. I'm Kelly McCauley, the president here at McCauley and Company, where we help good leaders become great through high-impact, results-driven leadership programs and executive coaching. Today, our esteemed guest is Matt Ronan, a scenario planning consultant who earned his expertise by spending almost a decade at the pioneering scenario consultancy Global Business Network, also known as GBN, known for elevating the field of scenario planning worldwide. Matt, thank you for joining us today to talk about the value of scenario planning and why it should become a front and center business practice within organizations. Thanks for having me. So before we dive in, here's a few more details about Matt. He's designed and led customized client engagements worldwide across many public and private industries. He also personally improved the process by developing new elements within the scenario methodology to connect it to strategy, innovation, and risk management decision tools. He lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with his family and works globally. Matt, let's get into it. What is the biggest misconception leaders have about scenario planning versus the value it delivers? That's a great question, uh, Kelly. I, you know, I think that I, uh, surprisingly, I still find that uh, some leaders who request to go through this process and want to want to go through it still think that what they're going to get at the other end is uh, a high degree of certainty uh, or <laughs> oh. some, you know, they're still seeking the, the kind of prediction or predictive nature of analysis that they're used to doing through other types of processes. Um, and, you know, the, the reality is, is that that's not what it will give you, but it will give you a much greater clarity around the degree of uncertainty you're facing and the types of pivots you might need to make. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea that you might have to actually place some resource on some alternative possibilities is really a key value that you get out of this. Um, you know, I also think there's a kind of softer uh, value here around building the muscle to be more sensitized to change, to see it coming, uh, to be prepared to be more agile, and have kind of rehearsed the stories in your head about how you would respond, which in many ways makes it less scary for folks, and, and it gives them the confidence to act that maybe they, they wouldn't have otherwise. And it also, what I've seen happen is it allows people to think bigger and more strategically inside of all the scenarios. One of the things that I ran into when I was introduced to scenario planning and actually brought it to a client about 15 years ago, the, and, and the whole point was to help these up and coming leaders think more strategically. The pushback I got from their bosses were, you know, we want them doing the day-to-day -day job and this is distracting them from the real world that we live in. And of course, this was before 9-11 and this was before, you know, many things have happened that way more people have baked in scenario planning than in the past. 
Yeah. Well, no, it's true. I mean, I do think one of the values that it provides is a forum to have a kind of conversation about near term and long term that usually doesn't happen explicitly. Um, you know, it, it, first, it first, it kind of reveals the actual risk behind the current strategy and that the near term may not be as stable as people think. So I think <laughs> that's number one. Number two is it really because it's asking you to place bets, as I say it, or put options across other possible futures. It forces a, a question about the kind of risk reward taking you want to take near term versus long term. What's the you know, how much do we want to invest in case the future looks different or towards a more uh, opportunistic future that might be coming, but it, you know, maybe the, we don't see it yet. Um, and I really think it, it's a nice way to balance that kind of short term need to either survive or, um, you know, optimize as much as you can in the near term versus how are we going to sustain value over the long term, which I think for some of your, you know, especially folks who are on board, that's their job is to really think about how are we going to make sure we're investing also in the long term. And I think it forces the kind of conversation about that that doesn't often come up. Yeah, so true. So explain to us how scenario planning works. Sure. I mean, the quick version, and there's so much literature written on this. I'm not going to go into all the you know, tradecraft details, but, you know, essentially break it down into sort of five key, key phases. The first is what we call orientation, which is, you know, know what you want to talk about and study. Just like any other kind of research, you can't answer everything in one program, <laughs> one project, which, by the way, is a whole other, you know, people don't realize, you know, scenario planning is a mindset and a way of going about your business, not just a one-time thing. Yeah. But the idea here is that for any particular set of work that you're doing, you need to know what question you're trying to answer. And that includes not just which scope of the business are you trying to answer strategic questions for, but also the time frame. And right now, what's interesting is, you know, a lot of my work historically has been, you know, looking at the longer term, whether it's 5, 10, 20 years out. Right now, a lot of people, the horizon that they care about is two or three years because there's so much uncertainty. And you really need to nail down what, what, what question you're really trying to answer first. And then the second phase is based on that is go out and explore, which is really about going outside your bubble, talking to people you don't usually talk about, reading about things and trends in the world really around like the broader macro context of social change and technology and politics, environment, et cetera, that you usually don't have conversations about. So that's kind of the exploratory and it's quite messy and a lot of people aren't comfortable with it. It's, sure. it's not as specific heads down analytic as, you know, the spreadsheet crunching that a lot of strategists are used to. And Matt, it's also a lot of work and thinking about things differently than you ever have before. So it's not really natural, probably, to the majority of leaders. It's not natural. And in many ways, you have to kind of explore ideas that you don't agree with um, <laughs> or hear from people who might see the world differently from you. And that's, that's actually the whole point. Um, and it's to really challenge your, your perspective and your worldview. Um, and it can get pretty existential at times, really. Um, and and that, is a dis that can be discomforting, but the key is to kind of, you know, in my, in my work, what I find is you meet people where they are and then you bring them along. So it's like, do you, you know, show them the steps from this, I, this kind of near-in idea that they can kind of grasp to this crazy wild idea that by the time you've had a conversation with them about it, they get it. Um, and that requires sometimes bringing in other people who, ha who, ha who are experts on those subjects. Um, 
so that's kind of step two. Step three is to take all this messiness and stitch it together into a framework that makes more sense and try to simplify that complexity into three, four, maybe five very distinct scenarios about the future. And you're not trying to paint every possibility here because, you know, the human brain can't handle that. But you're trying to paint the corners of what the, the future could look like at that step. Um, but that's just really painting a view of the future. And then it's like acting on it. And this is where I really, you know, feel like I, I help a lot of my clients go beyond the kind of world of futurists who are good at kind of coming up with these crazy yeah. ideas, yeah. which is how do you plan around multiple futures? And, you know, there's the, the idea is that you rehearse each one separately first to really understand clearly what you would do. Almost like, almost like doing a fire drill, right? Like if this happened, here's what we're going to go. Here's where we're going to meet. Just heads down, execute, right? You've already thought it is. Yeah. And then the harder part, and this is the balance of long and near term is, deciding where you're going to lean into. And that's a combination of which scenario you kind of want to plan a little bit more for, plus, you know, where you see opportunity and where you see biggest risk. And so that's a complicated dance of what I would call taking a core bet, but then also surrounding that with a bunch of side bets that yeah. will allow you to pivot in the future. That's, yeah. that's step four. The final step is, as I mentioned, you know, you can't view this as a one-time thing. And I find that the scenarios become more valuable actually over time after the initial work is done and reviewing them every six months with the leadership team or the board or, you know, other teams to help you understand, are we actually heading in one of these particular directions more or less, or are we actually heading in a different direction now? And does that mean we have to adjust our strategy? And that doesn't have to be a heavy process. It can just be a kind of check-in that you do on a regular basis. Um, the more people you involve in the process, the better the work will be and the kind of more diverse the feelers you will have out when you are doing that monitoring at the end. So I, I do a vision and alignment uh, engagement with clients and I actually, when I ask them to invite people to that engagement, I have specific mindsets that I'm looking for. Uh, so what do you recommend with regard to who to invite to the table, at least in the early stages of the scenario planning process? Oh, and by the way, you know, this is one of those things where I think it's impossible to do without an expert like you in the room. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I do think it, you know, one of the things is you need someone who's curating this whole process who's not biased, right? And it's, it's kind of easy for someone from the inside to be a little fearful about bringing new ideas to the table. And so I do think it does help to get nudged from the outside. Um, also just expanding your network, right? Like most executives hang out with a similar kind of group of people <laughs> and the same, right? They read the same, they, they all read the same Wall Street Journal articles and, right. you know, uh, but they're not reading some of the kind of more further out types of periodicals or going to, you know, blogs and websites of some, some new younger creative people, right? That's, so the mix, as, as you said, is like really bringing in people who just have a different worldview from you, um, who might be subject matters in sociology, climate, you know, climatologists, technologists. Um, but then also like a mix of, of, of gender, uh, uh, a mix of kind of identity, racial mix, um, to kind of hear from different types of uh, consumers uh, and talent. Um, and then I, I find mo maybe most important in all of that is youth. 
right? Because youth is probably more in touch with how the future is going to be than uh, most older senior executives. And I'm generalizing here, obviously. Sure. But it is true that, you know, some of the younger folks, even on your own teams, um, can provide some insight and validation of change that maybe um, some older uh, employees who maybe a little bit more protective wouldn't, wouldn't be as open to. Yeah, great advice. Can you give examples of how scenario planning enables clients to pivot to positive outcomes? Yeah, um, sure. I mean, I, there's a, a, a bunch of different examples. I, you know, there's a particular client I work with um, in the apparel industry who I think has really embraced it and has done a great job with it. I mean, one of the things they did, you know, over 10 years ago almost now is really a uh, understand the potential acceleration of digital and what that would do for um, power structures within the retail space um, and saw that coming and, and, and sort of, you know, you, they, they couldn't keep it from happening per se, but they could at least strengthen their position and create capabilities in order to deal with that in advance. And I think they've, that served them well then. It's also serving them well now because quite frankly, during this whole experience, that's even accelerating even more so, right? And they, they're quicker to act around, say, closing physical retail spaces and things like that without sitting there questioning it over and over. Are we sure? Are we sure? It's like, yeah. no, we've, we've rehearsed this scenario before. Um, you know, the other thing it, from a product standpoint that was interesting is just even a couple of years ago, some work we were doing, we were talking about digital accessorizing. And, you know, look at me, you know, I'm I have a logo right now, but it's not on any apparel, right? It's in my screen now. And so the concept of digital accessorizing, you know, we were already talking about just a couple of years, just only two years ago. Um, in addition to things like, um, you know, health and climate related issues that, you know, we weren't talking about the pandemic, but we were talking about what if, you know, people were worried about the climate around them and wanted more protection. And I'll leave it at that because I don't want to obviously give away too much uh, <laughs> sure. about what they're talking about. That's one example, you know, a couple of other companies that I would point to that I can that kind of public about what they do, you know, Ford Motor, um, they're not a client of mine right now, but um, for years they've been doing um, good scenario planning, great foresight work. It's helped them streamline their portfolio before a lot of others did, look at global partnering and also explore, um, you, know, it, it, you know, piloting alternative mobility faster than others. Um, Maybe another great example is some colleagues of mine who are at Salesforce. One of my former mentors is a senior leader there now. It's no surprise that they've been doing a lot of scenario planning. I've done a little bit of work with them. Uh, the, the, you know, they initially were doing a lot of work around regulations around data, and so they've been very smart about thinking about that uh, globally. But then also more recently, they've actually published some um, scenarios about the, the epidemic and what it could mean to the economy, and I'd encourage folks to to look at those and so they've been really smart about looking at both optimistic cases as well as worst cases um, normally wouldn't call them those because scenarios aren't supposed to be best and worst case if done right but in this case quite frankly given what's going on there really are best and worst cases for all of us sure i was just listening to a ceo a couple of months ago who they had done not i don't i think it was a different type of scenario planning but the point of the matter is it was in November, and he was talking about in February how when this COVID pandemic shut everything down, they just flipped a switch to one of the scenarios that they'd planned for, 
and already right out of the gate, they were started selling um, ventilators and it was, you know, they were more profitable 30 days out from the beginning of the pandemic shutdown because of that. So I know yeah, that. No, it, it, exactly. And sometimes it's not about moving, you know, immediately, but it's definitely moving before others. Um, not everything can, can flip overnight, but at no. least having the capabilities in place such that you can quickly get up to speed in the new areas is, is, is also part of it. Um, yeah, it's a great example. You know, uh, there's a famous, there's actually a case study about uh, UPS, who historically has done a ton of scenario planning mm. at, at very granular levels, actually. And, and there's a case study about how they had done some scenarios, ironically, about an avian flu epidemic. Oh, um, but what happened was uh, a volcano in Iceland uh, erupted. Do you remember that? When there was yeah. a big cloud cover everywhere? Yes. And it essentially had the same effect. It grounded all operations. But because they had thought about a scenario where they couldn't fly, um, they were prepared. And so, you know, another key, I think coming back to what you said about misperceptions, is it's not about getting your scenarios exactly right. It's about getting your preparation right, right? right. Are you, do you generally have the right toolkit at your disposal to react to lots of different things? And I think about this awareness of the mindset there's other things we can do. It's not, this is the way we do it. And we've always done it this way. And this is the rules. It's more of an openness to we're nimble, whatever is required at the time, given it's aligned with our values and our goals, then we can move in that direction. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think a lot of organizations are moving that way anyway, partly because of the speed that digital industry, that digital transformation is forcing them to do. And I think there's such a premium on execution and being able to move your execution towards different things. I think what the scenarios do on top is A, it creates a greater urgency for that. And B, it creates better hypotheses around which you're building that capability, right? So what, what kind of execution capabilities should you have on hand in the first place? You can't right. do everything, right? right? You can't be everywhere at once. You know, if you're, you know, yes, a thousand, you can let a thousand flowers bloom, but that's pretty expensive. You know, <laughs> the best 100 at least, you know. Out of Sounds those. pretty. <laughs> so at least there's some level of focus, right? Yeah, absolutely. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your insights on how scenario planning works and how leaders can use it to pivot into positive future outcomes for their organizations. I appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So to learn more about Matt Ronan, visit his website, www.mattronan.com. That's M-A-T-T-R-A-N-E-N.com. And besides learning more about his work with clients, you're going to find great scenario plan planning content, white papers, and additional resources. To listen to more podcasts like this, please visit MacaulayAndCo.com forward slash podcast and check out our online blueprint for high-performing leaders self-study program, not just for yourself, but maybe for members of your team. Until next time, we wish you the best on leading yourself and your team to higher levels of success. Matt, thank you again so much for your time. You're welcome.